listening to the Destiny Community Church Podcast. I am so blessed to be here, and uh, my wife and I, Lynn, we have just been excited because um, we love hanging out with your pastor and his wife, just like you do, and that better be a good book. You know, if it's the story of this great group, it's, it's going to be awesome. Um, you know, when you think back, and last night we got to hang out and hear quite a bit of the story, and you look at a church plant that then was mobile for 11 years, and then you survived the building process. And the whole time you kept ministering to your community. It's such a beautiful thing. And, um, you know, when I think of your pastor and his wife, um, about two and a half years ago, my wife uh, tragically went to heaven. And anytime I would see Rocky and Mandy, they knew how to love you in that journey. Um, and then when God brought Lynn into my life, they knew how to celebrate with me. And um, it means more than you'll ever know. And at, at events like that, I'm always looking for this couple. And so it's just a privilege to be able to see the fruit uh, of their labor and you guys' labor today. Um, the last week, I started listening to a couple of the messages that Pastor had been speaking. And what I noticed was that Pastor Rocky was trying to call forth your future. So he was doing it in one of the series where it was looking at what lies beneath. So he was trying to call forth how you could be free from things. And then this past week at, at your service, he was trying to call forth a heart to serve. Even last week and today, he was giving a heart call to those that are still at home disengaged. And really wanting to pull them back. Because we're not made for isolation. The beauty of pastor's call when he gives it, it actually didn't originate with your pastor. In essence, God is stirring your pastor's heart because God himself, let that sink in. The God who took a handful of nothing through it nowhere, created the universe and everything that is, has been speaking to your leader because God himself is trying to call forth your future, your greatness. And you know, pastoring's challenging because often, Pastor Rocky, you want it for them more than they want it for themselves. You want it for their children, their grandchildren. But in essence, every time I heard your words, I knew it was his words. And that's the depth of his love. Do you know God's love for you is unstoppable? You cannot mess up enough, and I've done a lot, to stop him from loving. He pursues us. And later in the message, we're going to actually get to our text, which sounds kind of strange. But in Matthew 22, we're going to be looking at loving our neighbor. But the journey for me started when I was listening to the radio. And I had just listened to a topic on Christian radio, and it was good. And then they started announcing what the next topic was. And the next topic is going to be loving your neighbor. 
And without really even processing it, my hand went up to change the dial to a new station. And then the announcer said, don't touch that dial. (laughs) And it hit me wrong. Now, I'm a pretty nice guy, but I'm like, who are you, radio announcer, to tell me I can't change the station if I want to change the station? And so I reached up to turn the dial. And then I felt the Holy Spirit say, don't change the dial. God was wanting me to listen something that I didn't naturally want to gravitate toward. And when he said, don't touch the dial, I knew it had become an obedience issue. And as I listened to the topic, and maybe you're thinking the same thing, loving my neighbor, my gosh, I am so busy. When I get home, that's the last thing I want to do. And that way they've got the garage doors you can just pull in. You don't have to see your neighbor anymore. You know, isn't it great? And we start thinking about how busy we are, and I don't want another box to check. And, and to be honest, some of our neighbors are nice, and then some of our neighbors, I mean, don't they know how to parent? You know, their kids are just running all over the place. They can't keep their dog in their own yard. It keeps water in my bushes. I mean, it's not fun sometimes when they're out mowing early. Yeah, yeah, they're 7 a.m., they're mowing their lawn. And some of them, don't quote me, they don't even speak English. I mean, they're from so many different countries, we don't even know where they're at. Some of our neighbors look like they got in a fight in a hardware store and came out with more metal on their eyebrow than we know what to do with. And yet in Matthew 22, as we'll see later, Jesus not only says we're supposed to love God but he attaches to that we're supposed to love these things called neighbors and when we get to it you'll see and I'm going to give you a warning now it's an obedience issue it's something we can't just ignore I love how God presents things in his word. And this story of loving God and loving our neighbors recorded by Matthew in his book and in Luke. And the interesting thing about Matthew, Matthew's target audience that he was writing to was the religious community. Religious community that loved rules and religion more than they actually loved God himself. They would rather judge than love. They'd rather be seen than serve. So Matthew had the privilege of writing to the religious crowd that didn't even recognize the Son of God standing in front of them. I also think it's interesting that of all the people the Holy Spirit could have tapped to write of the disciples that they chose Matthew. Because Matthew's previous job was he was a tax collector. And everybody hated the tax collectors because they were corrupt. They would extort money. They would take more than was owed. And then they had Roman soldiers to enforce it. 
tax collectors back in the day are our current IRS. We don't even know if they have souls, right? And we certainly know we don't want them to be our neighbor because we don't want them to see how much stuff we have. And it would have been scandalous for Jesus to select Matthew. Yet he's chose him. He not only chose him, he went to his house and then the religious community really started yakking because my goodness, Jesus is hanging out with sinners. And Jesus heard their thoughts and words and said, no duh, that's why I came. I didn't come for the healthy. I came for the sick. And I think it's just sometimes there's something in us as we become more church that we forget where we came from. We forget that we were lost. We get a new pair of Nikes, we start thinking we're all that in a bag of chips, you know. And I think it's good to start the message by reflecting, by doing a confession. So I want everybody to repeat after me. Are you ready? Okay. I was hopelessly lost. A real mess. In desperate need of a Savior. Then Jesus found me. That may be the most truth your spouse has said in weeks. Because we were all hopelessly lost. And the interesting part of the Holy Spirit choosing Matthew to write, actually Matthew's name was Levi. And so when God called forth his greatness and said two words, follow me, Greek words, ekaluthe moi, which were so powerful it changed his whole destiny and his future, it also changed his name. Matthew then didn't hesitate. He left a life of wealth and security for poverty and uncertainty. He abandoned everything he knew because the Savior of the world called forth his greatness. And you know, sometimes I wonder... Had Levi been my neighbor, would I have been afraid of him? Would I have shared the good news of the gospel? And if I did and he accepted Christ, will I really have believed that his life was transformed and let his name be changed to a new chapter? And I think sometimes... We have a hard time doing that. And I think some of it is our love stops short. And God's love doesn't stop. Think about this for a second. What if 
God wants to save people more than you do and I do? What if he wants to reach people that we don't even like? What if he calls all of the Northeast and California to move to Florida? Because he wants you to reach the heathens. They're not even Gator fans. Closer to home. What if God wants to reach your mother-in-law? Or that coworker that annoys you? What if God wants to save your ex-spouse? How far does your love go? You know, I lived in Florida when I was little for about seven years, Lakeland, Jacksonville, moved to Michigan. So when I would travel home to see family a few years ago, right in Toledo, Ohio, before you got across the border into Michigan, a huge mosque was built. And the first time I saw it, I was driving, and my righteous indignation blew up, and I'm calling down fire from heaven. I'm having all these kind of horrible thoughts. And it took me several miles to have a heart adjustment to see people trapped in false religions through God's eyes. They're his children that don't know they're his. And if we look at the background as we head to our text, Jesus was, in chapters 18 to 21, he was very busy. He was teaching. He was preaching. He was speaking on the parable of the lost sheep, basically saying, I will leave the 99 every time to go for the one. That's how much he wants to reach the lost. He was also talking about the importance of heaven. And he said, don't keep the little kids away from me, those little snotty-nosed neighbor kids. Let them come to me. Because such is my kingdom. He didn't walk past the outcast. He went to the blind or healed the blind or to the leper. And he touched them. So in chapters 18 to 21, you see Jesus living out what sometimes we're too busy to do. Or to be honest, sometimes we don't have the heart to do. You know, even one of the passages and stories in this 18 to 21 Jesus tells them that they need to pay taxes to Caesar. I know Matthew enjoyed writing that one. But then after the chapter we're going to look at in a second, chapter 22 comes chapter 23, and Jesus goes in his mean and wild mode, what I call it, where he starts calling out the sins of the religious community, and it's lovingly referred to as the seven woes. It's kind of like, woe to you, you hypocrites, you vipers, you snakes. 
You say one thing and you do another. You pretend you're holy and then you don't act holy. You pretend you love me, but you are far from me. So in the six chapters that surround our text, we see Jesus being busy. He's traveling by boat. He's traveling by donkey. He's walking. He's stopping. He's teaching. He's preaching. He's answering questions. He's healing people. Knowing that he only has three years to minister while he's on earth... He stops for the last, the least, the lost, the outcast, the hurting, and the sinner. And I belabor that point because he was modeling his unstoppable love for us. Because loving others is attached or central to loving God. Let's look at our passage, Matthew 22, verses 34 through 40. It says, Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together, and one of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Everybody say, is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Then verse 40 says, all the law and all the prophets hang on these two commandments. Now, I think what's important to catch is this. They're asking Jesus a trick question. What is the greatest commandment or law? Now, at that point, there were 613 laws and rules for them to try to follow. Good luck. Which is the most important? Is it number 472 or is it number 369? They asked for one commandment and notice Jesus' response. He gives them two. He didn't give them what they asked for. He gave them what they needed, if you can hear me. Because he knew deep in the heart of the religious community that they loved themselves more than others. You know, I have a secret to share. I secretly love myself. I can think about me, myself, and I all day long sometimes. And yet to be a follower of Christ, to answer his call, is about finding a cause greater than myself. Spiritual growth begins when you and I find a cause greater than ourself. And I think it's interesting how the passage reads, because Jesus didn't say, I want you to love God first, and then second, I want you to love your neighbor. He said, no, I want you to love God 
And the second is as the first. In essence, he hinged or attached them together so they can't be separated. And he said, all the laws and the prophets afterwards hang on these two commandments. In essence, he was saying, if you think you know the law and if you think you know what the prophets have said, you will love God and love your neighbor. Another way to put it would be this. If you get God at all, you'll do these two things. And you can't separate it. The second is like it. I think it's also something we need to catch is this. It starts with the love of God and then it moves to the love of others. So in essence, our love for others flows out of our love for God, which is good and bad. It's good because that's where it should come from, the source of love. But it's bad because if I'm having a hard time loving people, it means I have an issue with my relationship with God. You know, God showed his love in John 3.16. When he sent his son, for God so loved the world. And we forget usually the second verse, John 3, 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Tim would come to the keyboard. I want you to think about that for a second. God didn't send his son to condemn Because the world's already condemned. He sent it to save them. You know, I visited a church a couple months back. And when I was walking through the sanctuary and I'm headed to the front, I walked past what I thought had to be the smoking section. Okay, it reeked of smoke. And I thought, how cool. They have a smoking section, you know. Baptist or something, I don't know. (laughs) And reality, it was their recovery program participants. And I thought, how awesome for them to love enough to embrace people where they're at while they share the truth to them. Now, if I'm honest, it bugs me if I get smoke hitting me. If I get a rental car and it smells like smoke, I'm turning that puppy back in. Yet that church loved them enough love didn't stop short. Let you in on another secret. Sometimes we in the church can't even love each other 
very well. Enter COVID, enter elections, enter racial tensions, and churches have been through it. It showed our dark side, our underbelly. third thing we don't like to look at, which is kind of we try to keep as a secret, is this. Sometimes the lost don't see Jesus in us or the Jesus they see is a negative reflection void of his love. In essence, sometimes they see church people. Anybody ever been hurt by church people? (laughs) If you haven't, just hang out a little bit longer. Did you know there's people that won't come here because in the past they've been hurt by people? Or worse yet, they knew church people and they didn't see Jesus in them at all. So I think it's good for us to pause sometimes and look inward. And you can look inward just by some things that are happening this month at this church. This is serve month. And if being called to serve feels like an obligation or you've been trying to figure out all your creative excuses so you can avoid serving, to look inward. Pastor Rocky and Mandy's heart for FWRC and their campus you guys have at the Florida Women's Reception Center. How cool. But if that bugs you, Hosting by a tree change life, and it is countless hours of work, but you get the opportunity to impact your community and globally. If that's not worth your time because it's the holiday season, Houston, you got a problem. So Jesus spoke words and the Holy Spirit had a formal IRS agent record it because we needed to hear it. Problem is If you're like me, we have a fourth secret. I was born with a PhD in judgmentalness. I don't know how I got it. But if all you need to know is if you have that, it, it just, you can prove to yourself you have it. Just go to Walmart late night. And you can judge every living creature 
serious side, I can say I love God, but I don't have mercy and love for those he loves. I can say I care, but I can't get past the exteriors of people that aren't like me. So we had Matthew Wright. And then I think because God was concerned that the religious community may not get it, he also had Luke write the same story, who was writing to Gentiles. And then Luke added and recorded Jesus' story on how you actually know who you're supposed to love as a neighbor. And then how you do that. Because Luke understood that no one is out of the reach of God. That he can turn a Saul who persecuted Christians into a Paul. Just like he could turn a heathen from the northeast. Hallelujah. To a sold out follower. It's the four D's of destiny. And in Luke chapter 10, Jesus tells us who your neighbor is by telling the story of the Good Samaritan. Notice it doesn't say the good religious person, because actually the religious people in the story had already passed the person who was in distress. They didn't want to get dirty, and they didn't have time. Sound familiar? <laughs> and Jesus records it this way, that the good Samaritan, notice the action. Luke 10, through 35, starts by saying the good Samaritan saw him. In essence, he gave him eye contact. He didn't look the other direction. He didn't grab his purse. He didn't ignore him. He saw him. After he saw him, his heart went to him because it said he took pity on him. So there was something in him, God's heart, that gave him empathy and his heart went toward him before his physical body went toward him. And as his heart was going toward him, then it says, and he went to him. So in essence, he left his busy schedule, which I hate even acknowledging, because I've got to get my schedule done every day. He stopped what he was doing because he valued person hurting more than himself. It says he saw him, he took pity on him, his heart went to him, and then his body went to him. And then the good Samaritan bandaged his wounds. In essence, touched him where it hurt and wasn't afraid to get his Nikes dirty. 
wasn't afraid of disease. Wasn't afraid to be seen with a sinner. He bandaged him. Then he did the unthinkable. He put him in his car. Actually, it was a donkey. And took him to the hotel. And paid what's estimated to be two days wages. To provide for him. Total stranger. Now the way Jesus tells the story, he tells us who our neighbor is. And our neighborhood neighbor is someone that we see, pass by, know, or don't know yet. Your neighbor is someone you see, someone you pass by, someone you know, or someone you don't know yet. In essence, it's someone in close proximity to you. Coworker, waiter. Somebody you pass in everyday life, and in the story Jesus told, which I think is very interesting, it was someone in distress. Man, I don't want to get involved with that. A little bit too much drama for me. Man, they're a mess. Why would I want to engage? It would take too much time. So the Good Samaritan went to meet their physical needs, their material needs, and in essence to pave the way so they could reflect God's heart, which is a spiritual need. So what do we do in response to God calling forth us individually and corporately to love God and love our neighbors in tangible ways. First, we ask God to give us his heart for the lost and our neighbors around us. Give us your heart for those that we don't naturally gravitate toward. Give us your heart for people that aren't like us Second, then give us a desire to play a redemptive role, knowing it will take time, energy, and we may get dirty. So give us his heart. Give us a desire to play a redemptive role. Third, give us the capacity to accept people as they come to know Christ. They're on a journey. They don't get cleaned up instantly always. Give us the capacity to accept them on the journey. And give us the depth and maturity to look inward to figure out what needs to change in us 
so we can take action. Because to say that we love God and do not love others it misses his heart for why he came. And today God himself is calling forth things for you that he wants in you. Because if he can get it to you and he can get it through you, then he can reach all the lost people that are gathering here from all the nations, all the regions. Because they just don't know yet that they're his children. Thanks for listening to the Destiny Community Church Podcast. To learn more about DCC, including our service times and location, visit us at destinycommunitychurch.org.